Well, thank you, Rob. Church, let's turn to our Bibles to Acts chapter 2. We're going to be reading from Acts chapter 2, verses 16 through 21. Acts chapter 2, verses 16 through 21. Before I read our passage for this morning, I want to take a moment to express my sorrow at some misunderstanding in what I said last week uh, during Sanctity of Life Sunday. Uh, my intention was to express uh, sadness uh, at the tragedy of other forms of injustice while shining the spotlight on the injustice of abortion. Uh, it grieves me to hear that some of what I said uh, came, came across to more than just a few as minimizing or trivializing other forms of injustice and as singling out or shaming uh, one group of people over another. The gravity of abortion is true in all cultures, all peoples. Uh, please know that my intent was never to minimize uh, or trivialize any injustice or to shame uh, any particular group of people. Uh, that would have been the opposite of my intent, which was to grieve with and grieve over injustice done against my fellow image bearers. I'm so, so sorry for the misunderstanding that uh, might have caused hurt or offense. Uh, please know that we are committed to loving and learning and growing together in Christ. And we realize that along the way, there will be times when, despite our efforts, our words will fail to get the message across. I love you all in the Lord and humbly ask that you extend uh, charitable judgment with me. If you do have any questions or concerns or need to follow up with me or any of the other pastors, please contact us directly or contact the church office. Acts chapter 2, uh, verses 16 through 21. But this was what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in, the, in, and in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would bind us together in love and unity by your Spirit. Continue to work signs and wonders among us. Pour out your grace to preserve and sustain us. We grieve at the tragedy and injustice all around us. We take a moment now to pray for the family of our faithful friend and pastor, Wilbrod Chanda who passed away suddenly this week after falling ill. We pray for his wife, Zicky, and four sons, that you would comfort this family, that they would know that you are with them. We pray for Christ Community Church in Endola, Zambia, who has just lost their pastor, for Covenant Mercies, for Lighthouse Christian School, for Copper Belt Bible College, that they would fear not, for you are with them that they wouldn't be afraid for you are their God, that you would strengthen and help them and uphold them by your righteous right hand. Yet even as we grieve 
this terrible loss in our gospel partnership with Sovereign Grace, we know that our friend and brother, Will Broad, is with you in glory, that he is enjoying the rewards of his faithful work for his Savior, that he rests from his labors. And now, even as we carry all that, we pray that you would lift our burdens in our hearts, that you would turn our eyes to Jesus as we hear your word. Edify, encourage us, instruct us in Jesus' name. Amen. When you see a road sign as you're driving along the freeway, let's say it's the Blue Route, you see Exit 5, US 1, Springfield. You don't stop to admire the sign. You don't say, wow, what an amazing green sign. It's reflective, nice, bold letters, really sturdy. No, you look at the sign. You make sure you're going the right way, and you continue to drive. Holy Spirit signs and wonders are like road signs that point to something beyond themselves. They point to Jesus. Holy Spirit signs and wonders reveal the power and glory of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit signs and wonders reveal the power and glory of Jesus Christ. Like a sign, these New Testament signs point us to Jesus so that we will go the right way. So when you see Holy Spirit signs and wonders, you see King Jesus. And as a result, King Jesus will be worshipped, adored, obeyed, and followed among his disciples. Remember Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Power points. Holy Spirit, power points to Jesus Christ. In one message like this this morning, we certainly can't cover every example of Holy Spirit signs and wonders in the book of Acts. So we're going to glide from mountaintop to mountaintop. And our hope and prayer is that the Lord would use this to stir our hearts, to stir our faith, to desire more of the Holy Spirit's power and work, signs and wonders among us as a church family. Our passage this morning comes from the prophet Joel, who predicts the coming of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Joel predicts something of an exclamation point after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus. That day, the day of Pentecost, was a unique once-for-all event in redemptive history following the resurrection and ascension of Jesus. And as we've seen in this series on the book of Acts, everything changes when the Spirit comes. We've seen how the Holy Spirit transforms weak and fearful disciples into powerful witnesses for the resurrection. We've seen how the Holy Spirit creates a church community centered on Jesus Christ, a community of love, a community of holiness, a community of generosity. And today we're going to see the powerful workings of the Holy Spirit in signs and wonders. We're going to look at three different categories of these Holy Spirit signs and wonders which reveal the power and glory of Jesus, each category beginning with the letter D. Number one, direction and discernment through prophetic words and visions, or the gift of prophecy. Number two, distinct dialects, or the gift of tongues. And number three, deliverance from disease and death, or the gift of healing. We have gifts of 
Prophecy, tongues, and healing. Prophecy, tongues, and healing. So number one, direction and discernment through prophetic words and visions. Prophecy. Prophecy. Let's look again at Acts chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. This Old Testament prediction in Joel 2 is fulfilled in the New Testament narrative of Acts chapter 2. The coming of the Spirit means the coming of prophecy, and not just prophetic words, but dreams and visions as well. And this outpouring wouldn't be for just men or elders or leaders. All flesh, sons and daughters, young and old, would possess the Holy Spirit, and within the church, some would be given the gift of prophecy. And all for the purpose of pointing people to the risen Christ. Signs point. So this raises a question. How do you know if a prophetic word is from God? How do you know it's the real deal and not a counterfeit? If it's from God, it'll be consistent with what God has already revealed in his word. We know that Jesus commanded us to go and make disciples of all nations. We are to be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The Holy Spirit won't contradict himself. So we see that fulfillment in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 8, Philip is directed by the Holy Spirit to evangelize the Ethiopian eunuch. In Acts chapter 10, Peter is directed by the Holy Spirit to evangelize Cornelius. In Acts chapter 13, the church at Antioch is directed by the Holy Spirit to send out Paul and Barnabas on the church's first mission trip. So if someone says, the Holy Spirit told me I should steal, riot, commit violence against elected officials or others, commit adultery, well, you know, that's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit isn't going to tell you to disobey God's word, to disobey Christ. Any words of prophecy, therefore, must be tested against the final authority of God's word. God's word has the final say, not our prophetic words. So the Holy Spirit directs not just through prophecy, but also through visions and dreams. We see this in Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. While he's on trial in Acts chapter 26, Paul explains his testimony, explains what Christ did. In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun that shone all around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the Gentiles, to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God, 
that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. When Jesus came to Paul in a vision, Jesus saved him and then sent him out. Paul was sent out to proclaim the good news, to open eyes, to turn people from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. It was a vision to commission. A vision to commission. A commission to testify to the power and glory of Jesus. You might be tuning into this live stream and you have yet to encounter the resurrected Christ. Jesus commands you, calls you, even now to repent and turn to him for the forgiveness of your sins. The resurrected Christ will come again soon to judge the living and the dead. So trust in him today. Turn away from your sins today. Surrender your life to him today. So we've seen how the Holy Spirit gives direction. But we we also receive discernment through prophetic words and visions. For example, in Acts chapter 5, Peter discerns that Ananias and Sapphira were lying about their gift. There's no way Peter would have known the exact amount that Ananias and Sapphira received for selling that piece of land. There's no way Peter would have known what Ananias and Sapphira chose to keep back for themselves. Peter received a supernatural and prophetic discernment. And the results are undeniable. After Ananias and Sapphira fall down dead, people inside and outside the church are filled with great fear. They know that King Jesus isn't someone to mess around with. They see a glimpse of the power and glory of Jesus. In Acts chapter 11, we see another example of the gift of discernment. Now in those days, in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined, everyone according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. The Holy Spirit gave the church in Antioch discernment on the needs of the global church. They knew that the church in Judea would be hit hard by famine, and they resolved to send relief. And when Christians show love and care for one another, that shows the power and glory of Jesus. At Risen Hope, we have a prophetic ministry. Prophetic words and visions are given by the Holy Spirit to the church so that we'll know and experience the power and presence of God. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. 1 Corinthians 14.3 Several months ago into the pandemic, one of our sisters shared a word for those who were weary. A word that I believe is as relevant today as it was shared months ago. During our live stream, she said, she said this, I quote, I believe I have a word for those of us who are weary. Weary of waiting, weary of waiting for maturity, for a child, for healing, for justice. You know God is able, is nothing, and nothing is too hard for him. But I believe God would remind us that not all of Israel's battles were like Jericho. 
Exodus 23.30 says, Little by little I will drive them out before you until you have increased and possessed the land. Wilderness will produce obedience and faith. So be encouraged. So strengthen your muscles of obedience and little by little he will keep his promise. Church, a word like that a word like that is an encouragement for the weary. It expresses the heart of God for his people that he is with us and he continues to work. A word like that builds our faith in Christ and shows us the power and glory of our king. As I wrap up this section, I want, I want to remind us of this important truth to remember as we consider Holy Spirit signs and wonders. Desire the gift but trust the giver. Desire the gift, but trust the giver. The disclaimer on a medicine bottle tells us that there are limits and cautions. Our bodies are complex systems, and what works for one person may not necessarily work for another person. So while we're grateful for modern medicine, we don't ultimately put our trust in medicine. Our ultimate trust is always in a God who is sovereign and whose ways are higher than our ways. So church, just as there are limits to modern medicine, there are limits to prophetic words and visions. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 that we know in part and we prophesy in part. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. On this side of eternity, we know in part and we prophesy in part. We see this in the book of Acts when Paul is planning to go to Jerusalem. On the way to Jerusalem, he stops by the city of Tyre and he meets up with some disciples. Acts chapter 21, verse 4. And having sought out the disciples, we stayed there for seven days. And through the Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go on to Jeru Jeru Jerusalem. They were telling Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. Why did these disciples try to persuade Paul not to go? They knew Paul would be bound and delivered into the hands of Gentiles. They loved Paul, and they didn't want him to suffer in this way. But Paul comes to the opposite conclusion. Acts chapter 21, verse 13, just a few verses later. What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I'm ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, Let the will of the Lord be done. Through the Spirit, the disciples were telling Paul, Don't go, you might be killed. Paul was saying, God wants me to go, and I'm ready to be killed. We know in part, and we prophesy in part. Paul and the other disciples, they didn't agree, but the words did confirm what God had said earlier. He said, I will show Paul how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Prophecy is confirmatory. It encourages, it directs, it grants discernment, but at the end of the day, it must be submitted to Scripture and the will of God. Our first D, direction and discernment through prophetic words and visions. Now we're on to our second D, distinct dialects or tongues. Tongues. 
the Holy Spirit gives the gift of tongues to God's people. A tongue is a language not known to the speaker. So if I were to suddenly uh, start preaching or praying in Swahili or German or some other human or angelic language, that would be tongues. And that's what happened on Pentecost. People from all around the world heard the disciples telling the mighty works of God in their native language. The disciples, they didn't know those languages. But suddenly Parthians, Medes, residents of Mesopotamia, Egypt, Libya, Rome, and others, they heard the works of God in their native language, in their native tongue. So throughout the book of Acts, tongues, tongues as a sign and wonder, they show the power and glory of Jesus. And we see this main Pentecost event ripple outward with aftershocks as the gospel moves outward from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. In Acts chapter 10, Peter goes to Cornelius, a Gentile, to preach the gospel. He goes reluctantly at first, but God shows him that the gospel is for all people. As a side note, that's why we have welcoming all in our mission statement at Risen Hope. Welcoming all. So Peter preaches, and let's see what happens next. Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 46. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised, the Jewish people, who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. The gift of the Spirit was poured out on these Gentiles and they start speaking in tongues. The Apostle Paul wrote about speaking in tongues in his prayer life. And this is something we experience as Christians even today. Pat Paris, one of our deacons, prays in tongues regularly. Praying and worshiping in tongues allows us to pour out our love and emotions, our burdens, our thoughts, our concerns to the Lord in ways that we can't express with our normal human words. I've not prayed in tongues, but if it does come to you, what an opportunity just to worship the Lord in it, to rejoice in the Lord in it. Holy Spirit, signs and wonders reveal the power and glory of Jesus Christ. We've seen direction and discernment through prophetic words and visions. We've seen distinct dialects. And now on to our third D, deliverance from disease and death, the gift of healing. So we've looked at prophecy, tongues, and now healing, the gift of healing. During his ministry on earth, Jesus healed, and he commissioned his disciples to do the same. Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 and 8, the kingdom of God is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. Jesus sent out, sent out his disciples to heal, to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, and cast out demons. He commissioned them on a ministry of healing. And once the Holy Spirit's poured out on the day of Pentecost, healings happen in full force. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. 
And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with him, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Peter does what appears to be a healing by command. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Peter looks at him, keeps his eyes open, issues this command, and the person is healed. As a result, people see the power and glory of Jesus. Then Peter preaches the gospel to many, including rulers, elders, scribes, the very people who made sure Jesus was killed and crucified. And Peter's sermon climaxes in one of the most important truths in Scripture, found in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. What starts out with the healing of a, of a man lame from birth culminates in the display of the power and glory of Jesus in the gospel. Salvation is found in no one else. No other name other than Jesus by which we must be saved. No other name by which we must be saved. We see another example in Acts chapter 9 where Peter heals Aeneas and raises Tabitha from the dead. He says, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. Later on, just a couple of verses later, Peter knelt down before Tabitha and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. The people in those places, when they heard of this healing and this miraculous resurrection, the people of Lydda, Sharon, and Joppa turned to the Lord. And church, healings, the gifts of healing, still is given by the Holy Spirit to the church today. That's why Bill Davis and others will pray. We pray for supernatural healing. I'm going to share two examples that I hope will stir your faith and cause you to desire more of the Spirit's work among us. Near the end of 2019, Dave Esternell was crippled for days. It was so bad that all he could do was sit in the same chair, not get up, not move around. After prayer for healing, within a few hours, he was completely better. Dave had taken no medication, done no therapy, done nothing different other than having others pray for him. There was an unmistakable connection between prayer and healing. Praise God. Praise God.
Here's a second example. A former bridge guest a few years ago was diagnosed with cancer and had several major operations at UPenn to remove it. During a checkup at uh, s some months later, he got word that the cancer had spread to multiple organs. He was very afraid and anxious. Dave Esternell and a number of Christians laid hands on him and prayed for him. Even after that, they continued to pray for a miraculous supernatural healing. When this man went in for his next appointment, the doctors wanted to run one more test before developing a surgical plan. But, never, but they never got so far as a surgical plan because the test result showed that the cancer was completely gone. The doctor's first words to him was, do you have people praying for you? The healed man and everyone who prayed gave glory to God for this healing. Testimonies like that, church, lead me to cry out and motivate me to pray, Holy Spirit, please show more of your signs and wonders to reveal the power and glory of Jesus. Once again, we must remember, as we desire the gift, we must trust the giver. Desire the gift, but trust the giver. A couple weeks ago, Tim started experiencing intense, intense back pain. And this back pain, back pain was on top of his continual headache. He's pursuing physical therapy, but that's been so painful he's had to get shots to control the pain. Last week, some of us laid hands on him, anointed him with oil, and prayed for healing. We haven't seen any miraculous move of God to heal Tim's back yet. But we're not giving up. We're going to keep asking, seeking, and knocking. We're desiring the gift of healing. But we're also trusting the giver and his plans. And church, this reminds us that not everyone in Scripture was healed. We live in between the two comings of Christ, known as the already and not yet. The already and not yet. Health, healing, resurrection power has already broken in with King Jesus. But we have not yet received our immortal, indestructible, eternal, resurrected bodies. This means that we still live with the realities of disease and death. Epaphroditus was ill and almost died, Philippians 2.27. Timothy had frequent illnesses, 1 Timothy 5.23. As we bring things to a close, I want to remind us on where we began. Signs and wonders should never draw attention to themselves. It's not entertainment. It's not a show. It's not about us. Psalm 115 says, Not to us, O Lord. Not to us, but to your name give glory. Holy Spirit, signs and wonders reveal the power and glory of Jesus Christ. And for that reason, church, we should desire the gifts. We should desire them, hunger for them. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, Pursue love and earnestly desire. That's the exhortation from Scripture. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. We should all desire all the spiritual gifts, including prophecy, tongues, and healing. These gifts reflect God's desire to bless his people 
and expand his kingdom. We're not a church that tolerates the spiritual gifts. We earnestly desire them. Desire them. I've been part of churches where pastors didn't believe that all the gifts were for today. And I sincerely believe that they're missing out on what God has for the church. Kids, if your parents gave you a good gift and said, here, son, here, daughter, you've wanted this for a long time, and now I'm giving it to you. Merry Christmas. Kids, what would you do? What would you do if your parents gave you a gift you've always wanted? Well, you'd take the package, you'd rip off that wrapping paper, and you'd get right to the gift as fast as possible. When our good Father in heaven gives us spiritual gifts, gives us Holy Spirit gifts, we should earnestly desire them. So church, let's rush over to the tree. Let's rip open the package and let's enjoy these gifts from our good Father in heaven. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for giving us Jesus, for giving us your son, not holding him back, but sending him so that we might be forgiven, cleansed, changed, brought into your family as sons and daughters. And we thank you for all the spiritual gifts that you've given to us, that we might experience you, that we might experience your power, your presence, might see more clearly the power and glory of Jesus in real and tangible ways. And so, God, we ask for more. We ask for more of your spirit, more power, more signs and more wonders, more gifts of prophecy and tongues and healing so that ultimately, Jesus, you would be glorified, that ultimately sinners would come to faith in Christ, that ultimately we as your people would be encouraged and built up in our faith. In Jesus' name, amen.